Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S T-O-L-K-I-E-N and Instagram at Tipples and Tolkien. So cozy up, pour yourself a drink, and come on a journey with us this fall on Tipples and Tolkien. Action stations, action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. Repeat. Action stations, action stations. Set condition one throughout the ship. This is not a drill. The Cylons were created by man. They rebelled. They evolved. They look. And feel. Human. Some are programmed to think they are human. There are many copies. There are many copies. And they have a plan. Action stations. Action stations. Set Condition 1 throughout the podcast. Welcome again to Set Condition 1, a Night Shift Radio production. I'm your host, SC1 Actual Caleb, and with me on the CIC is my exo Kitsy. You, you can't drink salt water. <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, the president of the podcast and the 12 colonies and uh, perhaps uh, engineering a revolution here, uh, Andrea. That third one really threw me off, but but I'm ready. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Welcome hosts. Welcome <laughs> listeners. Uh, welcome newcomers. Uh, and as we say every week, thank you for joining us. And uh, if you have not yet, hit that subscribe button because we're not stopping. We've, we've got the momentum and we are rolling now every week. New episode uh, as we make this journey through Battlestar Galactica. Although it's worth mentioning, we are taking the next six weeks off for our uh, season one break. Oh, shit. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. I just wanted to watch Andrea make a face. <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing math in my head about how we're a quarter we'll of the way. We'll be back in the fall. <laughs> we're a quarter of the way through the series at this point. We're yeah, actually yeah, a season. little less than a quarter away because I think the other seasons are a little longer. And then also there's a few movies and whatnot that fall into certain points in the plot that we have to cover. So mm. I'm actually, yeah, I was, I was looking at that today, revisiting the uh, recommended watch list so I could figure out when to uh, put those in, especially because we want to do a little bit of a, a crossover with uh, one of our other Night Shift radio shows, never heard of it, uh, for the film length uh, episode, movie sequences, interludes. There's a word in there somewhere that I want, uh, <laughs> and I'll think of it in about a week and a half, and it won't matter anymore. And just, then just uh, just record that one word and send it to me, and I'll edit it into this. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and of course, if what I just said is news to you and you want to learn more, you can head on over to nightshiftradio.com slash shows and check out all the shows on our uh, Night Shift Radio Podcast Empire Network. Uh, and... All of that said, all of this, these housekeeping duties done and aside, previously on Battlestar Galactica. So as we said, this is the season finale. Oh my god. We've done it. We've made it to the end of the first season, and I, I can't wait to, uh, to see where this, where this takes us. Uh, we, got, we had a hell of a cliffhanger last week, and an even bigger one this week, uh, and Saul Tai is just as, as, as consternated as ever. <laughs> I would have gone with salty, but sure. <laughs> Saul Tai is salty? Yeah. <laughs> I see what you mean. I see what you mean. See, it's kind of a slant rhyme. Uh, uh, so if you don't recall from, uh, from last week's episode... Uh, Wait, are we actually the... doing a recap of last week's episode for the first time ever? I'm just doing a, a little bit to uh, connect the dots here. Okay. That's uh, interesting. We... 
we found Cobol, uh, and the uh, the crew uh, sent a, a few raptors there to uh, to scout the place out and uh, kind of get a sense of you know could this be home? Is there you know something important here? Could this be their way to Earth? Uh, but they got jumped by a bunch of Cylons. Jumped. Big old big old base star. Uh, I, I, I see sorry. what you did I'm there. I'm sorry. You don't have to acknowledge <laughs> it. It's fine. I prefer you didn't see what I did there, in fact. Uh, so uh, one raptor down, lost entirely. Uh, one raptor crashed on the, the planet, and one returned to tell the tale. And so we pick up this week with uh, our crashed raptor, uh, piloted conveniently by our friend Crashdown. I wonder if he regrets that call sign yet. <laughs> oh, very much so. In fact, I think that that's probably the source of his uh, his shitty attitude. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> this episode starts right. There's there's a really interesting dynamic that's already starting to play out between him and the chief, where yeah. the chief is a far more experienced officer. Uh, yet, as uh, the chief being non commissioned, uh, Crashdown does outrank him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Crashdown is now the the most senior officer on this uh, particular mission. And uh, he's the most senior officer on the planet. Yeah, on the <laughs> whole planet. He's the most senior officer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great, like watching him like, oh, we should do this. We should do that. And she's like, uh, sir, shouldn't we do this other thing instead? Because that's a really bad idea. And he's like, yeah, OK, sure, chief, whatever. <laughs> Well, the chief has a really pragmatic approach. Uh, like, Crashdown thinks, you know, we, need, we should get to the high ground so that if they send a rescue, they can see us. And the chief's like, well, you know, if they can see us, you know, who else could probably? The Cylons that fucking shot us down. So maybe we want to, like, hang out down low somewhere. Unless. Uh, unless. Unless Crashdown wants the Cylons to Ooh. see us. Oh, and we know that uh, there's at least two major casualties uh, from this. There was the pilot who was shot dead, uh, leading to the crashing down. Uh, and then there is another person who uh, is injured very badly. And they, they actually think that uh, when there was a fire in the cabin when the, the Raptor crashed, that his lungs might have gotten burnt and he's in a bad way. But, you know, Crashdown thinks, you know, he's a, he's a tough kid. He'll he'll recover. I'm not looking so good. Sure. So, it's, so it's who all do we have good. on the planet right now? We've got Crashdown, obviously. We've got Chief Tyrrell. Yep. Uh, we've got Gaius Baltar. Yep. Is there? We've got Callie. Yep. Uh, we've got Celix. Yep. And some other and... secondary crew character whose name you probably only hear once ever. Probably not that important because yep. I don't think that this person ever appears again. Whoops. Nope. <laughs> In yeah, fact, they're not getting the off the planet. Is, <laughs> the scene is over by the time we figure out what the guy's name is. So yeah, uh, yeah, and then the uh, the pilot who died, and then so I guess technically that pilot is on the planet, but is dead. So probably not worth talking about. Which I'll yeah. stop doing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, Baltar, uh, he kind of he he freezes mm-hmm. when he's uh, when it's time to get off the burning and about to blow up. Uh, Raptor, um, and like he he can't make himself go through the fire to get out until he sees a vision of his one true love, Six, his imaginary in his head girlfriend, <laughs> dressed Which, like an angel again. I love because it's Crashdown that's trying to coax him. Like, come on, you know, Doc, we gotta go. We gotta get you out of here. And she appears, and like he has the motivation to to go out. And he later says, "You saved my life." And what an ungrateful prick! Because no, <laughs> she didn't. Well, she may have encouraged him, but she didn't actually save him. Crashdown did technically pull him out of that wreckage. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just I just saying. I, I don't like Crashdown's attitude uh, in this particular arc, so I'm I'm uh, I'm trying not to give <laughs> no, him any I credit. I don't blame you. Like he's he's definitely shitty in well, this, but uh, and it doesn't make sense, right? Targ. I miss what's his name? Targ. 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 Like Targ. I don't. That sounds fake. Yeah. <laughs> which I wonder if it's supposed to be like Target or maybe maybe the call sign is Target practice, and that's just too long to say in this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just, there's like it, it just it makes me want to say it a certain way, and that's targ, targ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, just like that. But yeah, Crashdown is he's not handling the stress of this well, and I, it's it's hard to say uh, if he's 
uh, feeling responsible because his name is Crash Down and they crashed with him in the. <laughs> I the told Raptor. you all not to give me that name. <laughs> uh, or if he feels like you know he's he's never actually had to to take charge in a situation like this, which is probably true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think we can say that most of the pilots have never actually seen combat before the Cylon invasion because there had been such a long period of peace. Um, That's that, so you know, funny. Like, I don't think about that all that often. Yeah, but what? I mean, it's been 40 years. Yeah. Like, what are the, these, that's such a good point. Yeah, basically, I think the old man and the XO are the only ones that actually saw combat in the Cylon Wars that are, like, part of this fleet now. I don't think anyone else is old enough. And they were youngins then. They were just pilots. Yeah, that's wild. Huh. Actually, I don't know, do we know if Ty was a pilot? It's never really... I don't know if he was a pilot. I'm pretty sure he was in the fleet, but yeah. I don't know if, if he's ever like actually flown a Raptor or a Viper. This Maybe is just he uses. A, sorry. No, you go. I just this is just a clarifying question, so this might not even be for the podcast. But was so the the like tension between Crashdown and Chief that that you two are talking about. I didn't miss a moment before this episode, right? That I should have been paying attention to where they. I think the last time I saw them together, Chief was standing up for Crashdown, yeah. or the other way around with Hat Hadrian, right? So yeah, no, they're Crashdown. They're, they're buds. He yeah, just, I think, just a stress thing. I think Crashdown's just not handling his first crisis situation mm-hmm. well, and the chief is, and he's not appreciating yeah. the fact that the chief is, like, questioning his authority. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It's it's definitely a very human thing to, uh, um, like, when you're not responding well and someone else is, to have that drive you even deeper <laughs> into the, like, not yeah. responding well territory. Uh, that's, that's not to say that we all do that, but uh, some of us do. Mm-hmm. I can't raise his hand. <laughs> it's like, the, why are you so upset? I'm not upset if you would stop telling me that I'm upset. Now I'm upset because you said that I was upset. I was fine. Exactly. It's exactly it's like, like that. Yeah, fine. We can do your plan. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't, I don't even care. It's fine. Carry on, chief. <laughs> and so uh, he uh, crashed down and takes, like, it looks like some sort of, like, like an old tape deck. Kind of, honestly, it looks like they're they're trying to like play back their their mixtape that they made from <laughs> recording from the radio earlier that day of like you know '90s jams or something. Uh, and Celix uh, can't make it work, or Kelly can't make it work. Somebody, uh, and so he takes it and like storms off. He's like, "Have you ever used one of these before?" I'm like. Okay, bro. <laughs> Just storms off to presumably go listen to his cure songs or something. It's definitely I don't the know. cure. <laughs> There's no way Crashdown listens to the cure. Okay. Uh, so I guess. Uh, That's the right yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No offense to Seether if y'all are listening. Big fan. <laughs> Huge, like, very much into Papa Roach. Uh. <laughs> yeah, just that, like, angry, like, early 2000s rock. That's, mm-hmm. that's yeah. Crashdown's jam. <laughs> but also a little bit of hip-hop. But just, like, a little bit. Yeah. Not too much, though. No. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, on the Galactica, uh, as we mentioned, Saltai is just beside himself with disbelief that... Uh, <laughs> That Starbuck has jumped away, and it's it's fun because like you can almost pretend that it wasn't like an immediate like the last episode ended and this one began. And in my head, I can picture that it's like three days later, and he's still just like unbelievable. <laughs> She's gone too far this time. <laughs> She's crossed the line before, but this is so far beyond the pale. <laughs> and everyone else is just like. What? Dude, that was oh, three was days Starbuck, ago. Right, yeah. Like, dude, can you talk about something else, please? <laughs> She's been back for three days. Like, what are you? We get it. It's a week and a half later. <laughs> She's back. Everything's awesome. And he's just like, I can't believe it. <laughs> it's 20 years from now. He's on his deathbed. I can't believe she. <laughs> Uh, but meanwhile, the uh, the commander has a hunch of of what actually happened, and so he has uh, he has Duala get uh, the president on the line, and uh, you know Ty is just like you know there there's no way that she didn't you know she didn't go rogue and do this on her own. I you 
Starbuck can't be coerced. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> sort of thing. And Adama is basically just like, all right, put your headset on and listen. And so they have this back and forth with the president where like she admits, like, yes, I did tell her to go do this. And well, like, I love I love that like Adama's like asking her questions. She's like, let's just cut to the chase and I'll answer mm-hmm. the question you really want to ask. Yes, I sent her to the mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Um, which again, like in my head, like if, if, if Ty wasn't like silently listening with the headset on when he heard that, he'd been like, ah, what? <laughs> I wish he'd given himself away. Like he couldn't help himself. He just, you can see it in his eyes. He wants to. <laughs> I love him. Oh, he's, he's so fantastic. <laughs> just so disgruntled. Um, and so the, uh. The commander decides that it's time to uh, time for the president to step down. Give us the line, Caleb. <sighs> you get into character. Yep. I'm terminating your presidency as of this moment. <laughs> and she just says, no. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I will continue to operate this office as long as I am able. I know, that, I know that scary voice has worked on other people, but it's not working for me, pal. I'm, I'm still the president. I'm sorry. I, I messed it up because uh, he says, I'm going to have to ask for your resignation, Madam President. And that's where she's just like, no. <laughs> then I'm terminating your president. You're terminating your presidency as of this moment. <laughs> she's still like, bitch, you can try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you really want to send Marines over here and arrest me, then by all means, go ahead, but I'm going to keep to being the president as long as I'm able to. Yeah. Uh, Which, so I mean, like, you got to admire her, uh, her courage. Cause that's a scary thing to say. These two are just Titans in their role. Mm-hmm. And like, we've seen tension between them before, but this is ratcheting up quite a bit. And both thinks that the other, uh, is bluffing and, and will back down. Uh, but neither one of them, are that person mm-hmm. which yeah but it does show in a way how much the two of them do sort of care about each other in an odd kind of backwards way that they both think the other one wouldn't go to to such an extreme mm-hmm. uh, but then on the other hand it shows how much more committed to the cause and the mission or whatever um than they are to anything personal um I couldn't, I just, the whole episode, I was, I feel like my jaw just kept getting closer and closer to the floor with the two of them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's funny because I don't think that either one of them are particularly at odds in their goals and like what they want for the fleet. They both want the safety of the species, of the fleet, of everyone involved. But where they they come to odds is the, the decision making process in that. And neither one of them are particularly good at letting go of any level of control. <laughs> well, I think too, like, you know, they're, they're both, they both have the same goal and they both want the same thing, but they're both looking at it in very different ways. Right. Yes. Like Adama is very much concerned about the the current situation, right? We've mm-hmm. got a down Raptor with, with people on a planet. We've got a Cylon base star orbiting that planet. Like we need to take out that base star and get our people back. That's the problem we need to solve right now. Yeah, and Rosalind is more looking long term. She's like, we need, to, we found Cobol. We need to get the air of Apollo. We need to find Earth, and that's how we're going to save the whole fleet. So it's it's very much a, just a matter of like, you know, Adama's very military focused. Like, what's the problem directly in front of us? Let's solve that. And Rosalind's very much trying to look to the future and look ahead. So I think you know they both certainly have some merit into their decisions. They just don't agree on them. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I would imagine that, that Adama has to be a little sort of like dis no, not disillusioned. What's the word I want? Doesn't matter. Um, you'll get it from context, <laughs> uh, with the whole sort of mythology of, of finding earth anyway, because he knows that he's lying about it. He doesn't know where earth mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And for Roslyn, she's like stepped straight out of their bible basically right like she she yeah. thinks that she's the the one that has been prophesied so like of course she's gonna be leaning more into what scripture has told her and he's more into how to save the people in front of him right now um and i wonder if she hadn't sort of had this new awakening um if if they would have come to blows in, in quite this way I honestly think that she would have been more inclined to let him let him lead in the way that he is if mm-hmm. she didn't think that there was 
like that that she had some part to play right because mm-hmm. uh, Adama doesn't strike me as a as someone who's particularly religious in this in this universe and someone he, he probably grew up in the the faith of the the twelve and uh, he probably has some like vestigial influence from that you know like someone who you know and analogous to someone who grew up Catholic, but you know, isn't uh, isn't devout anymore in their their adulthood. I, I feel like that would be him uh, in the Adama household. Um, and you know, Rosalind didn't seem like someone who really put much stock in it either until it suddenly seemed like she was living it. And so I feel like without that influence, then this goes differently. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, Without that, I mean, are, are they really even looking for Earth at this point? Right. They're, they're looking for a place that they can say, well, this was Earth all along, yeah. I think, is how this series plays out without the, the Pythia scriptures. Right. Maybe the real Earth was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Maybe the real Earth was Kobol the whole time. Could be. Could be. Could Maybe. Be. We don't know yet. We don't All know. we know is that... Uh, I mean, Cobol is gleaming for the last time. It is gleaming for the last time, but um, but let me let me throw this at you, uh, Andrea. What do you get if you spell Cobol backwards? Oh, Lobach, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. I, I answered it right there. That that blows this whole thing wide open. Yeah. God. Wow. I guess we have to end the podcast, huh? Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun here, didn't we? We, folks? we did. This was a good time. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, <laughs> This has been a, a hell of a journey, and like we really appreciate you uh, you joining us on this, and uh, you know, thank you. Uh, I'm so sentimental that I'm actually tearing up as if it's been. <laughs> it doesn't take much. It's actually over. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, should we talk about Starbucks? Well, let's uh, let's let's set the scene for uh, what happens next, and then we'll we'll travel back to to Caprica because uh, Adama does have a plan now that uh, you know Starbuck has, has has left the uh, left the building, left the uh, the equation. They still need to figure out how to take care of that uh, base ship. Oh, those so, pesky Cylons! Yeah, so Adama has a, a plan to recruit a uh, another pilot. Uh, and use one of those leftover Cylon transponders that they conveniently found around. And uh, Gata just happened to guess correctly that that's what they were. Um, and equip a Raptor and get it just close enough to the base ship to, to be accepted by the, uh, the transponder and to send a nuke. And so he recruits our friend Boomer, who seems to be uh, recuperating nicely from her, her wound from last time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if y'all had anything more to say. You both looked like you wanted to say more, and, and then you did that. I, was well, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure if we were going to keep going with that plot line or, or jump over to Starbucks. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that that's a good place to, to pause. Yeah. And now we're, uh, we're back to Starbucks, and she's in her Raider. You, you may proceed. Well, Andrew, we know Inside the Raider is your favorite place, so why don't you yeah. talk about this part? Well, we're not there. Oh, Inside the Raider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we yes. were talking about the base ship because that's honestly where I, my brain has been since I remembered that's that was this episode. Um, yeah, she's in there, and it's, oh, something that if we could talk about meat for uh, a little while on this episode. Sure. Something that had, Andrea's meat oh, wait, corner. No, we, wait, we did. Well, we uh, we did talk about this last episode, so I actually don't yes. have anything new to say about it because all I can think about when Starbuck is in that ship is how she's piloting on uh, the only half living, brainless being. So there are some some really like interesting ethical. Mm-hmm. Uh, connotations yep. from what she's doing that I never really <laughs> thought about before until this podcast. But it's like you know that is like yeah. how do we know that Raider isn't just like internally screaming in pain constantly? Well, I imagine it probably can't anymore because she removed its brain. <laughs> yeah, but still, I, it might have been screaming in pain internally when uh, when she removed it. Uh, it might have been screaming inside its heart. No. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. Anyway, Starbucks. Is it, is it, uh, it has Starbucks no mouth. Is it in, in your heart or in your head? What, what's the the uh, the Japanese theme park thing? Scream inside your head. Oh wait. Because so Starbucks scream out loud because you spread the. Never mind. Starbucks. <laughs> so Starbucks. I was referencing a different thing. Screams inside her heart, and she. Uh, <laughs> oh, Caleb's, Caleb's gone. gone. Bye, Caleb. <laughs> You didn't take the stairs this time. I looked down no. and I looked back up and he was just gone. I was like, oh, well, we <laughs> lost Caleb. Vanish. So, uh, Ninja Dust. 
So Starbuck uh, comes out of her jump um, and sees nothing. Mm-hmm. And oh no, what has gone wrong? But oh wait, no, look over there, just slightly to the right of nothing. <laughs> there's Caprica. There it is. <laughs> you have the the like she just manages to turn the raider just perfectly. Like you see out the front, you see the wings of it pointing and turning slowly. <laughs> and, oh, a planet. <laughs> and it's very very uh, very clearly Caprica, and she's very pleased with herself. Mm-hmm. She does say I'm home as if she hasn't seen home in forever, but I think it's only been, was it three weeks, something like that at this point, a month? 51 days. 51 oh. days. So that's yes. so almost two months, but still, like, it, it's not yeah. just that she's been gone from home for for 51 days, but, like, her home also was blown up. That's also a good point. That's a good point. You're right. You're right. So you're it's, right. It and, also, like, and realistically, she probably thought she was never going back there again. Fair. It probably felt like a fuck ton longer, mm-hmm. too, given how long that first week was of <laughs> oh my not God. sleeping and jumping every 33 that's, minutes. That's actually a really good point, yeah. That's, okay, here's another question I have, and maybe maybe this is covered and I just kind of glossed over it, but does anyone think it's kind of weird that they've jumped approximately 700 billion times in this season, and yet with one jump, Starbuck got back one to jump. Caprica? Well, it depends on how well they've kept track of where they are. And if they have, presumably they have uh, all of the history of their, their jumps, the coordinates that they've used, and can backtrace from right. where they are now to where they started. Uh, it also depends on exactly how FTL works in this universe. They seem to have coordinates and know where they are in space. So if they know exactly where Caprica is and they're really good with the math, then they should be able to plot a jump right. directly to there. Uh, That's Knowing fair. where they are and where they're going. I guess uh, I'm, I'm making the assumption that jumps have a limited uh, distance to distance. them. But I yep. don't know that we've ever established that or not. So, yeah, that could be. I say traditionally in sci-fi, uh, FTL jumps, if they exist, are limited to the capability of the ship and not to the technology. Okay. So, so it's, then it's so, fair to think that the Cylons have better jump technology than the humans. Yeah. Okay. I can live fact, with that. I, I feel like that's that's not necessarily like clearly established, but hinted at, even just in the fact that the, the Raiders have FTL and like they're essentially the equivalent of the Vipers, which don't. Mm-hmm. Not sure. And, the, you know, obviously the colonial raptors do, uh, but I think that those are extremely limited uh, in what they, they, you know, the range that they have. And we don't know anything about the, uh, assuming that heavy raiders are still a thing in this show. I can't remember if they are, but what the, uh, the silence used to fly in the old war was a heavy raider. You're a heavy raider. Heavy raider. I don't even know her. <laughs> so Starbuck lands on the Caprica. She does. She's and uh, goes directly to the museum to mm-hmm. go sightseeing, kind of like a tourist. Well, you know, Delphi you never, you never do these things industry. when you live here, so you... <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to come back and do all the touristy stuff that you didn't do because you didn't have time. Yeah. Like, you're just busy with work and, mm-hmm. you know, you always go to the same restaurants and, you know, you, you know, you visit the park and whatnot, but you never go to the museum. You never do that stuff. I love bringing friends to the boring Philly. This is such a tangent, but to the boring Philly uh, tourist traps. Like uh, one of my friends from grad school. Hi, Bob. Now I miss you. She's from India. And when her mom came to visit, I was like, got to do the Liberty Bell. Got to do the Betsy Ross house. And they're like, they couldn't be more boring. It's so silly that we even still tour them, in my opinion. But you got to go do them. So it's just like that. I have... I have been up in the arch probably ten times, and <laughs> we'll we'll take anyone that visits St. Louis uh, at any time. Yeah, I'm so it. conflicted because I love being up in the arch, but I hate going up the arch. It's it's it a scary? process. So, so uh, go ahead. It's it's these tiny little. It's it's a hybrid of an elevator and a roller coaster. Uh, it seats five people, but the the seats are roughly that big. <laughs> And there's five of them in this little pod that is uh, about the size of my desk, uh, and so you're just you're all in this tiny little thing, and it's it's glowing like straight out of a sci-fi adventure movie. And it's that like pale fluorescent glow. Oh yeah. And as it goes up, it like kind of slowly rocks as it 
makes its way around the curve to the arch. And it takes about three to four minutes each each way. It's actually slightly faster on the way down. Mm. Uh, what with gravity and, and you, all. You see out the little windows of the, the door, and you can see, like, the, the staircases and all, like, the mechanics and whatnot inside. So cool. uh, and... Sometimes, especially around Halloween time, they'll put decorations <gasps> in to freak you out. That's so <laughs> fun. Like, Haunted arch. They'll be like, yeah, like a, you know, a skeleton in like worker's clothes and <laughs> stuff like that. At least I think that's a decoration. Oh. <laughs> uh, but then you get to the top and there's just this tiny little observation lounge and it's, it's neat. That's so It's an cool. experience. Uh, but yeah, Saronin. Absolutely brilliant architect. Hmm. It's it's I've just a little nerve wracking because the thing like kind of shakes and stuff, and it's just like it's not a very smooth thing. So it's it you know I don't like stuff like that. It freaks me out. It's not as bad as the most rickety elevator you've ever been in, but it's pretty close. Yeah. So Starbuck is having her night at the museum back on Caprica. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, like I said, she's, you know, she just has that, that inkling, but no, she's, she's really there to, uh, to find the arrow of Apollo, which, uh, whenever spoken of previously always seems like this mythical thing that like they're pretty sure exists, but they don't really know much about. Uh, but she walks directly to an exhibit that is clearly labeled the arrow of <laughs> it's Apollo. Just, it's and just it's a there. fucking arrow. <laughs> it's there in a glass. So, so how does that make you feel, Andrea? <laughs> Like to be, to be perfectly like uh, honest, it is actually kind of a relief because any time on this show where I've been like that doesn't fucking make sense, it's because I was watching it in such a way like me being like they're talking about this arrow like they just know where it is like they're gonna go pick it up but but that was the case that's exactly what happened so I no. couldn't. Fucking, and I know Kitsy said last week, and I was sure they were just giving me a hard time that I hadn't considered maybe it was just an arrow, but it's just an sometimes, arrow. Sometimes an arrow is just an arrow. Uh, <laughs> where I do take issue, however. Oh, sundial. It's a sundial thing, isn't it? Sorry, she go ahead. Walks, she walks into a museum that is uh, in ruins. The whole place is rubble. It's, you know, structurally standing, but it's otherwise very fucked up because, you know, this the city's been bombed. Uh, and she walks up to this glass display case that is magically still intact while the entire museum around it is in shambles. And uh, I, I don't know which I have more uh, issue with. Uh, the fact that she doesn't just walk up and smash the glass like with like a rock or the, you know the butt of the gun or something like that, but she chooses to shoot it, <laughs> or the fact that the glass case withstood a fucking nuclear bomb, but she just shot it with a pistol and it shatters completely well, all well, four sides. There's there's two things I'm going to say here. Uh, number one is the the nuclear bomb obviously loosened the glass for her. <laughs> well, you loosened it. <laughs> And uh, number two, maybe they should have made the whole museum out of that glass. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> All right, Seinfeldica, you're back, huh? They, they should have made the, the whole museum out of the, the detonators. <laughs> exactly. It's a callback. We've had enough episodes to have callbacks. Aw. Actually, I'm sorry. I incorrectly said that it shatters all four sides. It only shatters the front and back where the bullet uh, passes through. The uh, the sides are left intact. I can't decide I which makes less sense. I will say it stays that way until Starbuck gets there because of God and God's plan, right? It's like a divine intervention. Like when, I mean, uh, Mar- or, yeah. That makes about as much sense as anything, so let's go with that. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. <laughs> Perfect. But uh, But Starbuck's victory is short-lived. She's not alone. She's not alone in the museum. Six. Or is Boomer? Who's first? What happens Six. in the show? Is we here? Uh, hello, Lieutenant. <laughs> Do you like what we've done with the place? <laughs> there's, there's some That's, bad one-liners in this episode. Let's so be rude. rude. <laughs> assholes. Um, trying to find the exact uh, quote. Uh, so yeah, so Six walks up behind Starbuck and we just hear, pretty, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And Starbuck turns and uh, gets, you know, a punch in the nose for her troubles. Uh, and <laughs> she says, hello, Lieutenant, something I can help you with? 
Look, we know what she's here for. I mean, she's holding the arrow in her hand. Yeah, she's I'm at good. the only yeah. the only exhibit left standing, and she's fucking looting it. <laughs> yeah. Kids, you look like you really want to say something, but I can't tell. I don't know. I they think, fight. Uh, they have a fight. They have a big they do fight. Have a fight. They have a big, big fight. It makes and me it's nervous. Awesome. It's very fighty every time that six or not six yeah well every time that six knocks starbuck uh flat on her face on a pile of rocks i keep expecting her to come back up with like one in her hand like like, (laughs) i thought you're gonna say with piano teeth you know like in the cartoons (laughs) (laughs) oh caleb did not like it (laughs) that's a that's a very different show (laughs) that is not what that's yeah that's oh man That just sent my brain on a wild tangent of what cartoons are like in this universe. Oh, oh, oh. Mm. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Starbuck wins. She she kills Six. But well, she, this one. So she takes a flying leap with Six underneath her, right to the ground, and smashes her um, into the ground. And I thought we were maybe going to lose Starbuck, too, in that moment. I mean, I didn't actually, but I thought maybe they would want us to be worried. That would be the it, case. It definitely looked like it, and given the way in which Six is killed here, uh, it definitely should have also killed Starbuck. Right, right. Uh, because Six dies by one of my biggest fears, which is impalement. Mm-hmm. Uh, she falls directly onto an exposed pipe or some rebar or something like that, straight through the chest. But the thing is, Starbuck lands immediately on top of her in such a way that that should have also gotten her. I'm glad it didn't. Don't get me wrong. I didn't realize but, she was impaled. I thought it was uh, dead by being hit really hard with a concrete floor or whatever. I, I mean, that, that probably didn't help. But, <laughs> but I mean, it may, cause of death may have actually been head trauma. But either but, way, something pointy mm-hmm. and sharp. Yeah. Oh. Well, there's that divine intervention for you. There you go. Yeah. You've seen Pulp Fiction, right? It doesn't Starbuck matter. Starbuck was holding the arrow of Apollo, so she had Apollo on her side. Oh. I mean, I know that you're kind of kidding, but I buy it. That's good. That works. I, I wasn't really I kidding. <laughs> I think Six was holding the arrow when she went over oh. the edge. So, yeah, so Starbuck had Apollo on her side because Six was holding the arrow. Yeah. And Apollo was like, I don't think so. Oh. Right. But, yeah, the way that we see Starbuck laying motionless on top of Six's uh, dead body, uh, they definitely should have been, uh, you know, a kebab. <laughs> I appreciate the pronunciation there. Together. Um, uh, well, we've we've gone ahead and talked about everything except for all of the big uh, reveals and twists <laughs> in this episode. So uh, I'm going to say that we've got multiple Doritos contacts. Why don't we take a break and when we come back, we will just power through all those twists and, and surprises. So uh, stay tuned on your... Are you on, on the, trying I, to leave a space for I me just, to jump in? Because I got nothing this week. No, I'm trying uh, to come up with a Battlestar Galactica type way to say it. And I don't know how. Stay tuned on your wireless, and we'll be back after. <laughs> there you go. After this word from our. our uh, from our us, probably. From us. Yeah, from us. It's from us. Let's be honest. <laughs> Fucking nailed it. <laughs> You're listening to a Night Shift Radio production. Night Shift Radio is a modern media company bringing you shows that entertain, inform, and most importantly, provide an escape. Never Heard of It dives into the world of bad, obscure, and sometimes just weird movies. Follow along with the crew of Set Condition One as they experience the 2004 sci-fi hit Battlestar Galactica, one episode at a time. Each week on Left of the Dial, we explore a new record or revisit an old favorite. We'll bring in guests to talk about their own music and the state of the industry. The Superpod HeroCast. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. They draw a random comic-inspired movie from Thor's helmet and offer thorough, insightful, and humorous commentary. And once a month, tune into the Storyteller series and get lost in the magic of a good old-fashioned radio drama. Learn more about these fine shows at nightshiftradio.com and subscribe on your favorite platform. Action stations. <laughs> that made me laugh because it caught me off guard, but I feel like that's how we should have been doing it all along.
second back from the break two yeah. throughout the podcast. No, we never go oh. to second edition two. Okay. That's right. We're always on condition one here. Mm. <laughs> High alert. <laughs> Uh, oh, we, did we come back from the break? We didn't come back from the break, did we? No. I thought that's what we were doing. No, thought, you, were oh. talk, you were telling us about the unnecessary... Oh, wait, that was after... Action stations. Action stations. Set condition one throughout the ad break. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that doesn't really work either. No. I guess... I think that should I just... I can't tell if we're, if we're back or if but you're there, just there's no way to know. Stuff. You can never tell. <laughs> I don't dare start actually talking about things in, in case. Well, see, because if you do, then I, that has to be the return from the break. Because if you start talking, then I don't, I don't get another chance, and that's just what it is. Report. <laughs> <laughs> all, Can all you make a super cut of every time we've come back from break? And then unbelievable. <laughs> We're all listeners are accounted for. Let's continue. The, that can't the podcast. be true. There's no way. There's no way we've kept them all. <laughs> what was the what was the uh thing for a couple weeks ago uh do we anticipate any casualties oh it'll cost us <laughs> <laughs> if you're still with us thank you so much for thank for, so for bearing much. with us we appreciate you more than you know mm-hmm. uh so it's, we have at least one two three four four big surprises at least to talk about who where do we want to start so, let's pick back up uh, where we left with the, the tension between the, the president and the commander. Okay. Like that's a, a very important storyline. As we've established, the commander has sent a strike force to Colonial One to arrest the president. And the president's still like, there's no way he's going to do this. There's, he's just, there's no way. He's not going to do this. But he does it. But he does it. There's a, a point where she asks how many people are below in the cargo hold, and they get an answer of 170 some. And she says, okay, well, all of you go, go down in the cargo hold and, and stay with the civilians. This is my fight to have. And Billy's like, absolutely the fuck not. Like mm-hmm. we're standing here with you. Which is nice. Uh, at which point, apparently she has a secret service. Cause a bunch of guys in suits pull out pistols. Yeah. Where have they been? <laughs> There's a, uh, an ongoing exchange between Billy and Duala on the phones as they're like, What's he doing now? What's she doing now? What's she say? Uh, back and forth, uh, narrating uh, essentially to each other so that we, the audience, can know what's happening mm-hmm. uh, in, in, under the guise that the, the folks on Colonial One and the CIC can know what's happening on the other ships. Uh, and there's a great moment where Billy's like, you know, tell me he's not actually going to go through with this. And Dee's like, tell me she's not going to make him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love this too because it, it shows this like, this moment of like affection between these two where they're both like worried about each other, probably D about Billy more so than Billy about D at this point. But, um, you know, but they're like having this conversation of like, we're on opposite sides of this, but like, you know, we still like each other. And so like, this is kind of crazy. Like, it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet thing. Almost a little bit. (laughs) Almost a little bit. Almost a little bit. Well, it's, I mean, it's definitely gotta be some kind of, breach of protocol right you don't call the other side and tell them what your side is up to i mean it's a bummer that it's other side at this Mm -hmm. point when we're supposed to be united but but well the impression that i get is that d is on the line with with colonial one in the capacity of like trying to communicate to the president to get her to voluntarily surrender uh so that when the uh, the colonial marines storm her ship there's not a shootout, mm-hmm. uh, which when they first, when, when the president, or sorry, when uh, the commander first says, I don't want any bloodshed, I'm like, so don't, from whom? Right. Yeah. Don't, don't shoot. Yeah. Uh, it's not, but then like, you're course, the one with the, with the strike force there, bud. Mm-hmm. Six suits with pistols, uh, you know, standing in line in front of the president, uh, facing down uh, a, a squadron of Marines. Six wears a dress. She doesn't wear a suit. There's almost certainly an episode, if we haven't seen it yet, where Six wears a pantsuit. I guarantee I, it. Say more. Say more right now. So, the, uh, there, there's a, a standoff. The, the Marines have stormed Colonial One. The president's men aren't going to back down. The president is refusing to, uh, to comply. And you know, Saltai says, I'm here to arrest you. And she's, she's not having it. Can we? But then... 
can we talk about how Saltai was on the away mission? Yeah, the EXO and the CAG both went on the, like, went to serve the warrant, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that we, seems... Mm. Yeah, we've anyway. never seen Ty off. off I didn't know uh, he could leave. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right? Um, I don't think he's allowed to. Like, I just, I just assumed if he ever left the ship, he would die. He's on house arrest. Like, um, like that's where his power comes from, yeah. <laughs> is from the ship. <laughs> I guess... It's like, it's like in that Pirates of the Caribbean movie, he's actually part of the ship. I say it, either like he would die or the other way around that the ship would die without him. Mm-hmm. He's the, the real heart of the ship, you know, mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. salty Saul. So, but you know what? For the sake of the show, it does work narratively <laughs> having uh, Colonel Ty and Lee there because Caleb, because what happens? Because when the, uh, the president refuses to, uh, to back down and allow herself to be taken. And it seems like it might turn to a shootout. Uh, suddenly, Suddenly, oh! Sudden, <laughs> suddenly pulls his gun and points it at the uh, the XO, and says, "This isn't right. We can't do this. Uh, this is mutiny." <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great exchange. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I mean, it it clearly is. You're correct. Yes, by definition, uh, this is a mutiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saul with uh, the self evident. Declarations again, consternation. <laughs> um, and you know, Lee says, like, you can tell my father that I, I followed my instincts, <laughs> which is a callback to the beginning of uh, last week's episode. Mm-hmm. It's great because later on, um, Ty delivers that message, like, said something about following his instincts, whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever that we know what that means because we saw the sparring match between mm-hmm. father and mm-hmm. son, and uh, so what starts as just the president getting arrested turns into the president and Lee being arrested. Yeah. But nobody gets nobody gets hurt. No. Nobody gets killed. That's that's a plus uh, because Rosalind. Says, yeah, like, I'll not have bloodshed on my, whatever, on my ship or on my hands or something. Yeah. Not on my watch, mister. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Does she, wait, is that from this episode? No. Oh, that's a line from an episode? I don't think so. Yeah, somebody says, oh, Boomer tells uh, Hilo to move it, mister, or something like that. Oh, yes. There's that. Which is, like, a really odd choice, Um, but... Speaking of Boomer, we have two uh, Boomers that we need to to cover in this. Uh, I think the the first one. Let, let's let's uh, check in on Hilo and Boomer down on Caprica, uh, because Boomer delivers a bit of a bombshell to Hilo. Oh, he yeah, she sure does. Shouldn't have been a bombshell though. Yeah, if he were paying attention to the same show we were, because she's pregnant and we knew it, and she's pregnant. Okay, so first thing. Did you see his face when she says that? He's like, what? Because <laughs> he's, he's you know, giving her the, the same lines. He's like, you don't have feelings. You have software and blah, blah, blah. Like the, the super, like, uh, bigoted uh, human reaction to Cylons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she, she tells him that, and, like, it just, like, breaks him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later, when they, they do find uh, Starbuck just in time to see her plummet over the, uh, the, the edge with Six, uh, but they find her alive, and... Then Starbucks sees Boomer and uh, immediately makes the connection that she's a Cylon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starbucks even like beat half to death, uh, still quicker than most people <laughs> in this fleet with making that mm-hmm. connection. Because she was like, "I left a, a Boomer with a with a gunshot wound to the face behind on Galactica, and here's one with uh, a gunshot wound in her shoulder and her face completely intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, something's wrong here." Uh, and so she, she tries to, uh, shoot to kill, uh, only to be stopped by Hilo, who's like, you can't, she's pregnant in a very soap opera moment. It's fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. And Starbucks face is, what? <laughs> I, I laughed at her face there because it's so comical, but then she lets out this scream that is yeah. so like, I don't, I don't even really have the word for it, but it's like animalistic. It's visceral. Visceral. That's a perfect word for it. Um, yeah, she's just like shattered. Like oh. her entire world is shattered because not only is someone that she knew and trusted 
uh, suddenly revealed to be a Cylon, but the like the this other like major twist to the the story of Cylons look like us now. Like a Cylon can get pregnant. Uh, also, a, a like. The implication being, since she was with Hilo on the planet, that it's his kid. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's a lot to take in, especially when you just got your your ass handed to you by someone you presumed was probably a Cylon mm-hmm. before. <laughs> yeah, she is. I mean, yeah, understandably so. Kind of wrecked in that moment. The it's funny. This kind of goes back to the first or second half of the miniseries that like the fact that Boomer can get pregnant, the fact that Cylons can, as far as we know, or have children is the thing that makes Starbuck, that makes uh Hilo think differently of them in terms of so far. I mean, I've only, we've only gotten a few seconds of that really. Mm-hmm. Um, but um the thing that makes them think of them less like machines, right. And more of something that you can't, murder um and i just it just threw me back to the episode when they're um deciding who to bring on the ship and somebody else like what about the children um Mm -hmm. that's just such a human but um i guess it's just like a yeah human it's just human human. thing to do except silence aren't yeah his obvious feelings for this person that he thought was human like he he like brushes them aside and it's like immediately falling back on the, this old hatred and like nothing that she says about her feelings being genuine and about like, you know, I, I've, I've helped keep you alive all this time, which is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, like none of that hits home, but as soon as she says that he's willing to listen mm-hmm. and we don't know what happens from the moment that he makes that face to when they appear to, to save Starbuck. Uh, but Presumably, there was a little bit more of a conversation that happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a hold that thought. We got to go get this arrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of hold that thought, uh, we're back on on Cobol with Gaius and uh, his imaginary six, who he he feels has saved his life, and she leads him somewhere, somewhere very important. At least it it feels like it might be. Is it Stonehenge? It's the ruins of the opera house. Oh, but it looks like fucking Stonehenge. It kind of does, and that's probably somewhat intentional. Or does Stonehenge um, look like the ruins of the opera house? Oh, uh, all this has happened before, and all of it will mm-hmm. happen again. Um, if you remember from when the, the president was looking over the aerial photography of Cobalt, she sees this domed structure with six rows leading into it, and uh, that's when Elosha realizes this is Cobalt. You're seeing the opera house. And that's where uh, Six guides him and implies that uh, you know, he's, he's going to be you know, witness to you know, something huge. Uh, the next, essentially, essentially the next uh, phase of, of human and Cylon evolution. And she leads him onto the stage of the opera house where there's just, there's a uh, brightly lit white crib and uh I don't know if this is important yet, but it stood out to me. There are eight large, like, streamers, like, um, like, not really like curtains, but like backdrops, all white, all evenly spaced along the back of the stage, and that that feels important with the way that numbers are used in this. Hmm. But I'm not sure. I will. I'm gonna file that away. Um, <laughs> I didn't count any curtains, but uh, but I like that I did, you were. I'm being genuine that I'm not sure if that's okay. if that's like notably important or if I'm making something of it that that isn't there. Right. But again, like that's the first thing you see when you walk into this like giant uh, opera hall uh, and you look at the stage is like there's these huge like banner type backdrops and they're like, I counted them like you know numbers are so mm-hmm. important in the show how many are there it's eight so let's file that away that could be important. Uh, are you then, sure there wasn't a ninth? This sounds like I'm not, I'm, but like just. I am sure because I counted and then Ellen confirmed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but how do and we know that Ellen's not a Cylon and she's oh. not trying to lead us in the wrong direction? If Ellen's a Cylon, she has to tell us, otherwise it's entrapment. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, we don't. We don't know that. How do we know that I'm not? How do we know that anyone's not? Any of us could be a Cylon. We what could if all we're be Cylons. All Cylons. We, we could. Like, what if we just don't know it? 
What if we're all activated at the same time? Oh, God. Caleb, if you were a Cylon and I knew, but you didn't, would you want me to tell you? You've, yes. We've... Okay, all of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. <laughs> we, we started out here. Um, um, and now it's over. Goodbye. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no, but we they, have a... Sorry, was there more we want to talk about with with uh, guys? Yeah, yeah. Just that uh, you know they they peer into the the crib and uh, six says something like you know isn't she beautiful, and uh, Gaius appears to have a bit of a uh, an epiphany of sorts, and then they make out. It is it is such an odd. There's like something about the like tone in that scene, like and I can't put my finger exactly on what is going on there, but it is so fucking weird. It is so. Um, it's like we got another uh, Bear McCreary gem of a of a yeah. theme song going on in the background uh-huh. too that Caleb was just humming there. Um, oh, you just it reminded is, me that that uh, Senpai noticed us um, on yes. on Twitter this week. That was <laughs> lovely. Um, but uh, I guess there's something like there's something like uncanny about that. It like there's the same kind of like dreamlike quality of the president's visions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like, and like, it's overlapping with Baltar's visions of six. Uh, and there is just kind of like an eerie sense to like, he walks, so he steps into these ruins and suddenly he's in this majestic opera house in its heyday, but it's totally empty except for this crib on the stage. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and she's implying that it's very important. Mm-hmm. We know that so far things that the president has envisioned have come true and she's had a vision of this opera house. So again, it, it feels, feels very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we mentioned that there were two boomer stories that needed to be wrapped up in this. And this one's a doozy, but Oh my goodness. Um, I knew it was coming and I still wasn't ready for it. It's, it's not good. You're never it ready is. for it. I watched it again today. Um, uh, Andrew and I watched yeah. it last week immediately after recording last week's episode. Because uh, I think Andrew was going to explode if she didn't mm-hmm. get to see the conclusion of this. Uh, yes, this this episode, and now probably uh, is even worse off than before. Uh, yep, <laughs> probably wish you hadn't. Yep, but uh, but I watched it again today just before we recorded, just to give myself a refresher. And I still wasn't ready for it, even after I just seen it a week ago and knew exactly what was coming. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, boomer. So they bomb the base star and everything's fine and they go home, right? <laughs> oh, well, uh, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> uh, they, they, the plan is that they're going to get to the, the base star using the Cylon transponder and hopefully the Cylons will think that they're two Cylons that are returning with a captured raider because they have the transponder. And that seems to work. Everyone seems to be leaving them alone. Um, I find it a little suspicious that no one would radio them and be like, hey, what's the, what's, uh, what, what's, hey, what's up? This is Cylon Bob calling uh, <laughs> Cylon Raider. I get the impression in, that, <laughs> that the, the thing with the transponders um, made me think about the Raiders a little more like, I feel bad saying this because I've um, you, anthropomorphized. You remote controlled cars? No, 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 no. Oh. Oh, that's good. No, more like bugs. So, like, they're not necessarily Ooh. seeing and communicating with each other, but they're sensing the transponder. There's something about that, like, frequency that they recognize as their own. But beyond that, hmm. I see. Um, but I don't, I don't like that. That that takes away some of the yeah. personalities I've ascribed to the the raiders. So, here's the thing, though is their plan is to get close enough to nuke the base star. Unfortunately, the nuke won't release. We've got some faulty equipment on this Raptor, and the nuke won't release. So, new plan, we're going to go land in the uh, the docking bay of the base star and let the nuke out manually and set that shit off as we fly away. Andrea, tell us what you think about the inside of the base star. It's, it is, it is, it is... Oops, all meat. It is, <laughs> it is, it is full up, just full up with meat. And I, when we were watching it, it occurred to me that, like, either it was going to be all meat or it wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, it was. Is that one of those, like, everything in the universe either is or is not a potato? Is it? Yes, like exactly. That? It's also, it, I mean, it is all meat. But it's less, although I guess we didn't see Starbuck cut this fucker open to say, but the <laughs> Raiders seem to have more, like, bits and pieces inside, right? This looks like, 
just like we only we only saw one room. Oh God, <laughs> that's a good point. We we only saw the hangar bay. Uh, it's like Magic School Bus. You're just up in that big old. It's just there's so much more possibility for meat. I hate to go back to the <laughs> to the Philadelphia. Um, tourist traps but has anybody been here on this podcast to the franklin institute no mm-hmm. um so kitsy's been they have a a huge model heart that you can walk through they um, do. but it's, it's yeah it's not like soft meat um but there's oh, like a heartbeat in there it's very cool i would expect it to be actual muscle and beating lifelike it's actually uh, the heart of the city that's the thing and it's, um, it's is that where all the love comes from yeah <laughs> So here's a here's a question that's probably gonna get cut from the podcast. Um, what room of the base star do you think has the most tender cut of meat? No. Oh jeez. The caboose. Does the base star have a caboose? That's a train. <laughs> I'm still I'm I'm stuck on the idea that if Philly has a heart like that, then New York ha- must have one, and it's the heart of rock and roll. <laughs> still beaten. So Boomer's on the meat ship. On the meat ship. <laughs> oh. Oh no. no! Let's. I'd rather not go that direction. Uh, so she gets out to uh, to release the the nuke. She tells uh, Racetrack her uh, her co pilots to uh, to stay uh, to shut the hatch and be ready to just get the fuck out of there if she's not back in five minutes. Uh, she manages to manually release the nuke, which it just falls to the ground, and she has this like oh, like Oops. reaches out to steady it as though that will actually do anything. Uh, <laughs> If it's going to go off, it's going to go off. You're in trouble. Uh, luckily, it doesn't. But then she hears her name. Sharon. <gasps> and she turns around to see who could be talking to her on this Cylon who ship. Who can it be now? Do, 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 Ten do, fucking Sharons. <laughs> <laughs> A whole bunch of naked Grace Parks walk into the room. Uh, although, uh, the, this is a... A, a television show with uh, no nudity, so we, we see see nothing. But uh, a whole bunch of naked Grace Parks walk into the room, all talking uh, to Sharon, telling her how much they love her, uh, and it's it's creepy. It's, it's so creepy as fuck. Um, and to what? Why like, are what's they naked? The, why are they naked? Why are they so weird? Like, what? It's, what are they trying you, to do? You're confused and scared, but it's okay. You can't fight destiny, Sharon. It catches up with you, no matter what you do. Don't worry about us. We'll see you again. We love you, Sharon, and we always, we always will. will. And uh, just like it's straight out of a fucking horror movie, mm-hmm. Boomer gets right the fuck. They they take her helmet off uh, as they're doing this, like you're basically letting her know, like it's safe here. You're 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 home. Uh, she just runs the fuck away without it. She gets back onto the. The raptor, and of course, racetrack is like, "What? What took you so? Where's your helmet?" And she's like, "Go, go, go!" And racetrack turns to look, and she's like, "Don't turn around. Close the hatch. Let's go!" Uh, and they just they book it out of there, and we get the uh, the you know, the cool kids don't watch the explosion moment uh, as they fly away, and the the base star is eviscerated in a nuclear blast, uh, and they have saved the day and returned to Galactica to a hero's welcome. But Sharon now knows. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, if she has doubts now, she's just in denial. She's still very conflicted, though. Like, she's, she is denying it. Like, she's like, I'm not a silent. She actually says that while she's face-to-face with a dozen of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, she says, like, I'm not a silent. Like, this can't be true. Um, yeah, I was born on wherever. My parents were this person and that person. And- it's Troy. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, oh, I knew this. I knew this. Catherine and Abraham Valeri. <laughs> Abraham Valeri. Uh, I love that her parents were Catherine and Abraham. Abraham. I love that, like, she has her whole backstory. And the silence seemed to be prepared enough that, like, if you looked into her story, like, you would probably find some record of an Abraham and Catherine Valeri Mm -hmm. who had a child named Sharon. Like, they probably thought this all the way through. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone ever actually does the research, but in my canon, you could do the research and you would find it. And it makes me wonder how far back the records go. Yeah, I wonder. Well, and oh, the, uh, the 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 Troy Town Hall just just happened to burn down a couple decades ago. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. 
<laughs> so no, just kidding. We have another. We have yeah. Yeah, just one little minor, minor thing. Oh, minor, nothing. Yeah, no, no yeah. big, no big at all. Well, Racetrack and Boomer, welcome back into the the CIC as heroes. Uh, and uh, Adama, he tells it, and you know, you congratulations to both of you. You carried out a very difficult and dangerous mission. And then kind of side eyes Apollo. He's like, and you did, despite any personal misgivings you may or may not have had. And for that, I'm very proud of a you. A little so passive aggressive, yeah. It's so- and Lee, he's like, he's got the, the like zip tie handcuffs and you're mm-hmm. just like, oh, dad. Um, <laughs> Disappointed daddy. <laughs> and so, you know, Adama, uh, he shakes Racetrack's hand and she said, thank you, sir. And he goes to, to shake Boomer's hand and she says, thank you, sir. And shoots him twice in the gut. And like, it is, there's no hesitation. You like, she is so ready to do it and then everything gets slow mode and i cry and And then she i think she has a moment like i I don't think she i don't think she intended to do this i think that that was a moment uh much like with the detonators and the other sabotage like i think that was her program take over because you see a moment later the shock and horror on her face and that's not a like Oh, well, I'm screwed. I got caught. There was a, what did I just do? As Sharon stares in horror at, at uh, what she's just done, and Lee and uh, Saul are, are leaning over the old man trying to, to stop the bleeding, and uh, you know, Lee's screaming for a doctor, and Dee grabs, you know, grabs the old man's hand and is, is like, we can see it looks like she's praying, uh, and that's where the episode leaves us. We part on a shot of the, uh, the temple of Athena and Kobol, and that's it. And next week we'll be back with our season one recap before we journey on to season two. So we're going to set a, we're going to spin up the FTL drives and we'll see you there. So say we all. So say, so we, say all. we all. Begin jump prep. We're leaving. We'll be back. Start your prep. Set Condition 1 is a Night Shift Radio production. Visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.